It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. I'm sure from a young age you you were thinking about holding up a jersey of an NFL team. Um, what did it mean to be up there doing that and also having some family members here? That's something that you grew up dreaming about, idolizing about, and uh, for that to happen, you know, it's just a blessing. And it's a testament to know all the hard work that, uh, you know, it took to get here. So I'm just thankful. Yeah. <clears throat> and to build on what Evan said, you know, it's just a blessing. Your family puts in so much, you know, to get you here, seeing your mom, your family, and all the sacrifices that they made. and now to be able to rejoice with them and, and really celebrate this moment. What have these few days been like for you guys? Sounds like you've been enjoying it. <laughs> oh yeah, these, these few days, they've been awesome. Uh, they've been long, <laughs> but uh, they've been awesome. Uh, everything that I dreamed they would be and everything that I uh, expected they would be, so. I would say the music has just been hitting different lately, so that's why my voice is going, because I've been you know, singing along and singing my heart out, but just, you know, enjoying it, like you said, just, you know, trying to be in the moment. Hey, Bob, what did you think when you flew in this morning and saw New York and the skyline and all those things? You know, for me, it's actually crazy that you talk about it because, you know, New York is a place that I've traveled in the past year, maybe in the past two years. I've been to New York more times than any other place. And it's so random. It was just so random. But, you know, touching down was like, you know, it's meant to be. Abram, there's been so much talk about like your brand. Like, what what does that mean to you? Like, what are your off-field aspirations? <sighs> That's just so crazy. So when they handed me the playbook, it was uh, it was an iPad form, and me, I learned best writing. So for me, it was like the brand went out the window. <laughs> right, the only thing I can think of now is the playbook and trying to really get into it and dive into it and, and make sure that I know everything that I can going into a um, you know training camp. You know, edge rushing, seven techniques. The Giants run multiple schemes. How do you feel getting bumped down to the three and the five tech? Uh, you know, I would love it. I feel like that's um, a testament to, you know, the versatility that I'm going to have. And, I, you know, I'll be able to continue to work on and then I'll always be sharpening my tools. So, you know, I, I'll never go dull because coach will be moving me around and, you know, I'll, I'll know a, a lot of the defense. Both you guys, how much um, football have you really talked about already with Coach Dable and where do you see yourselves already? contributing to this team? Yeah, I talked a good amount with uh, Coach Dable and the O-line coach. I uh, got on Zoom a couple times and uh, just installed the playbook. And it's crazy that uh, Coach Dable was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. So a lot of like scheme things and concepts uh, kind of aren't foreign to me. So I've seen them before. So it's uh, going to be a real you know, help coming in and trying to learn the playbook for sure. You know, and for me, you know, I was able to chop it up with Coach Wink when I was out here and just seeing everything they did with the Ravens, you know, in their time. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. So just being able to see the guys who, who did great things and then envision myself and, you know, um, all the great things that, that he has that I'll be able to learn and, you know, grow. Javon, how, how familiar are you with the history of uh, pass rushers that the Giants have had? I know you know Michael Strahan, but even beyond that, they've had – Pretty great history of guys here. Um, I'm not, you know, I would say that's the only thing I'm really ignorant to is when it comes to my football history. So I will be picking up. And I was just telling Dion in the back, I said I got to go do some research before I get in front of all these cameras. <laughs> Steve, uh, back, back, I think it was Super Bowl week. You were at a party. Colin Cowherd said he was talking to you. Mm -hmm. And you told him back then you thought the Giants were going to take you. 
Why did you think that like so far ahead of the draft? You guys won't believe this, all right? But I'm a big I'm a big believer in God and 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 it's a testament to it. So I got a tattoo and the tattoo is five stripes. It's tally marks. One, two, three, four, five, one across. And when I got it, it's because I had five friends that I knew that I was gonna become successful with. But when I really thought about it, it was more than five of us. So I really didn't have a purpose. But this was three years ago. And now I've been picked, selected as the fifth pick in the NFL draft to the New York Giants. So to me, it's just a testament of God and you know everything and the, the, the legacy that he bestowed me with just fell in line. Well, with that being said, uh, we already learned Graham Gano is a tough negotiator. You know, he has number five here. <laughs> where, where do you stand on that and the number and wanting to wear it or have well, you talked to him? Oh, man. And it's funny, you guys just know this is real now. We're talking real numbers. And I haven't even, I haven't even thought when you, when you say, when you tell somebody 250, I don't know what 250 means. It, 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 you forget all the zeros behind it. You know, things are, <laughs> things are a lot different now. So, you know, but, but yeah, he's a great guy. We're obviously going to build a relationship and I'm going to be able to, you know, really get into it and we're going to talk about it. But you want it, you would like to. I mean, that, that is something, that is something I'm pursuing. Obviously he's a vet. He's, he's put the work in. He got five kids. So, you know, there's some weight, there's some weight, there's a, there's a whole lot of negotiating that's going to have to happen before anything shakes. How does 55 sound? Doesn't sound as good as five, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the number don't make the player, the player make the number. You mentioned Strahan. When and how did you get connected to him? Well, you know, I have some um, good people at Oregon who, who already has, um, you know, envisioned me being like him one day, you know, and how big he's become. So I, we kind of had mutual friends through Oregon and, you know, the people there. And they, they connected us. And I was able to get on Zoom with them, um, you know, chop it up with them. I think this was. This was when I was still in school, so it was, I would say last year, probably, you know, fall camp, actually, it was, when I, was when I first, you know, I had the first Zoom with him, and then I got to meet him, and, you know, now actually seeing him and really talking to him and getting that, building that relationship has been dope. What did he tell you? What did he tell you about playing here? What did he tell you about playing well here and what that can do? Well, you know, just to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's, that's kind of been the focus of all that, you know, Football is going to be that avenue. Football is going to be that terminal for everything you want to do after. So as long as you keep, you know, the main thing, the main thing. And then he also shed light into the idea that people thought the same thing about him. Like, man, you must have had this planned out, you know. But for him, he shared with me that it took him being great to really cultivate, you know, everything he did off the field. It, it kind of just fell into place. Which would be more important to you, to have Strahan's football career or Strahan's post-football career? I mean, he's, they're both, they're both ridiculous. But for me, I feel like I kind of want to pave my own way. You know, he's done the great things he's done because of the work he's put in. So I got to go put in the work myself and kind of, you know, build that legacy for myself. Do, you got, do either one of you guys, I mean, this entire pre-draft process, you guys are training for the combine, you're doing everything like that. Is there any type of relief where you feel like, you know what, I, I got to get back into, I got to do my football stuff now. I got to get back into being a football player rather than training for a combine and numbers. Right, the, uh, the uncertainty of the pre-job process is all over now. And now I can really just get back to the main thing, which is football. So it's uh, a really good feeling for sure just to be able to come in and just work as hard as I can and just help the team for sure. So uh, it's definitely a great feeling. Evan. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to agree with you saying, like, now we ready. You know, just being the competitors, like, it's hard. It's not fun competing with the clock. 
<laughs> you know, but when you compete with somebody next to you with a heart and a brain just like you, it's a whole lot of fun. Came to like the top tackles in this draft. I mean, how much did it matter to you, or was that your goal was it to be the, the first one drafted? I know it didn't the way it worked out. You know, one way. Six, yeah, man. Seven, my goal, then... my goal was just to be drafted, man. Uh, that's what I've been playing football my entire life for. So uh, I'm just thankful that the Giants organization gave me the opportunity to do that, and uh, I'm definitely going to make the most of it. Evan, we uh, you know we usually see you as very quiet, reserved. Uh, your high school coach told us about a, a video you sent them earlier this season, I guess last season, uh, to hype up the, the team for a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was that was Evan in his football mode. Uh, I had turned the switch on to uh, just kind of fire the guys up for sure. So it was a, a pretty special moment for them. I forget what team they were going in to play, but um, I'm just thankful that I got the opportunity to just uh, share a little bit of wisdom and just help motivate those guys going into the game. How often does that personality come out? Every time I line up on the football field. <laughs> when teams are interviewing you during this process, did you interview them too for yourself? And like if you did, you know, what did you learn about the Giants that you think makes this a good fit for you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you definitely want to ask questions um, going through this process. And one thing I took away from the Giants organization is that they're really trying to get back to that winning culture. And uh, that's something that I really respect. Um, so I'm just thankful and glad to be a part of it. Yeah, I think when you know, when I when I come to it, I like to see how people think, and I like to see you know what's their their train of thought. So for me, just coming in and seeing like you know, I, I would ask different things on what's their perspective on the draft, how they think it's going to play out, and you know what's their perspective on you know upcoming season and you know change and bring guys in. But you know they really have it down to a T. And when you talk about you know men with a master plan, they have the master plan, and now it's just about you know. Really, for us to buy into that culture, me and General buy into that culture and be a keeper of the culture. You guys talked about this the other night, but you came in together, you're two draft picks apart, and I mean, you'll probably face each other in practice. I mean, how much is that going to push each of you during the course of your careers? I believe it's going to push us tremendously. Um, I believe in iron sharpens iron. So uh, what, what, what better place to get better than, uh, than the New York Giants? So I'm just excited to go out there and just compete, just compete my hardest, man, and just hopefully we make each other better. I saw a video of you two guys in high school kind of going against each other. What do you guys remember of that? Yeah, yeah. You got one and then Yeah, it was, uh, and I, think, I think it, it, speaks, it speaks volume to the competitiveness. It speaks volume to, you know, wanting to be better because it was, for me and him, Every time, you know, we came to a camp, we knew. It was like, okay, <laughs> they, you, you know how they're going to set us up, you know. But it was that, like, okay, he's the best, I'm the best. Now let's get better. You know what I mean? Like, let's really, let's prove to, to ourselves on why, how, why we got this far. How so. ironic is it that you two are now here considering you, you're, they matched you up every time you showed up, and now here it's, you are playing. It's not camp. ironic. Yeah, crazy. It's not that. ironic, though. It's God. I'm telling you, it's God. It's God. Loving the blitz and be really aggressive on defense. Like how, how exciting is it for you to be going into a defense like that? That's. Great. I mean, you know, Wink is gonna look out for me. You know, going against him, I'm gonna need a couple blitzes and you know some extra people to throw him off so I can get them extra wins. You know, and I think that's the greatest part. But yeah, Wink has been, you know, just just his this mindset, the scheme, like football is mental. So just him being able to give those different looks, put guys in different positions, and keep the offense honest, I think that's really gonna be, you know beneficial for me and obviously for the, for the guys, you know, in the locker room. Does a rookie have to come in and be humble? Um, I feel like a rookie got to come in and grind. You know, everything is about what you do. And I feel like 
one thing with me, you can't be you can't be a guy who blows smoke. I can't be a guy with nothing to show for it. I can't be a guy who people look at and don't believe in, right? So for me, no matter what I say, I, can, I know I got to go put in the work. Evan, I think I read that. I think you were like 390 pounds in high school. I mean, how much did you have to manage? Like, how did you manage your weight to get it to where it is? And what is it now? To be honest with you, bro, I've always been just a really big guy. Like in the eighth grade, man, I, I weighed in that 378 pounds, but I always carried my weight well. I can move. Like whenever we would run, I'd always be in the front of the pack with the O-line. Like it was really important for me to, to not allow no one else to outwork me. So, uh, yeah, I just come from a really big, blessed, athletic family. And uh, going into college, I knew I was going to have to shed some weight. But uh, it wasn't like I didn't look at my weight as like a like a project or anything like that. I just had to trim a lot of that baby fat off. And uh, right, now, I, whenever I came in and weighed in here, I think I weighed in at 340, 342. Last year I played around the 340, 345 range. So yeah. Yeah, then that 340-ish range. Yeah, I feel good at that weight. Yeah, for sure. Kayvon, back back at the combine when you had your press conference with us, you, you revealed that you know the Giants gave you a hard time in that meeting. I'm curious, I mean, obviously you look back on it, but when you left that meeting, did you feel like you, you won them over or did you just feel like there was still something left? What, what was your I mean, now? there was definitely still something left. The job's never finished. Obviously, you know, at that time, that was, the, that was kind of our, like, first initial meeting with everybody. But for me, you know, and I feel like a lot of – even Joe has this and, and Wink has this, they all, they all know it, but you can't fake it. You can't fake it. You know, so for me, I felt the energy in the room, and I knew when someone is is willing to to give you, and that's me, and that's then that's how I know, cause I'm that guy. I'm gonna give him a hard time every day. You know, every day we come in, I'm giving him a hard time, but it's because I know how great he can be. I, I know how great you know the guys around me can be. So I think that's 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 the testament to, to brotherhood. That's a testament to you know love. Have you talked to Aziz yet? Say it again. Have you talked to Aziz? He did. He did just reach out. I just got here. You know, I just got. I landed this morning, but I'll definitely be in touch with him. You know, later on today. Did Michael give you any advice on how many sacks to guarantee your first year? I know. I know. One thing I do got to guarantee is that I'm gonna know that playbook before training camp start. Have you talked to Andrew Thomas at all? Oh, I haven't. Uh, today's my first day out here, but I'm sure I see him around and just get a chance to be around him. We'll get a feel for him. All right, well, there you go. There's your uh, two number one draft picks. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live on a special Saturday edition. Uh, we're kind of all over the board a little bit today. I know that uh, Paul Dettino will be joining me in just a second. Lance Meadow is with us, and uh, we have great news uh, other than the two interviews that happened today um, with the Giants that our own John Schmelk has uh, added a second Son, or actually it's his first son, but the second child into the world today. So uh, Katie and John, congratulations to you guys and the, their baby boy that was born. I don't know what time it was, but it was last night. Um, so a lot of excitement going around here in the building. But more importantly, as we uh, come into Big Blue Kickoff Live today, uh, get a good chance to listen to both of these guys. It sounds to me that both of them are extremely relieved that this process is over. And I can imagine that going through all the buildup, all of the offseason, the combine, the training, and now this is all over. And you heard from both of them basically saying that, hey, now I can kind of concentrate on what I'm going to do, and it's just football now. And that, to me, means a lot because I can imagine that all the travel, all the interviews, everything that you guys have gone through, that's all over now. And now they don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And as you all know, the contracts for the first-round draft picks are all set, so there isn't much negotiation going on in that time stuff. So I do remember – 
when you have all of that relief from you, you're all of a sudden now you get a chance to come out and just start to play some football. So that is exciting. So our own Paul Dottino has just entered the Big Blue Kickoff live uh, studio. He was in the with me. I kind of cut out there a little bit earlier, but Paul, welcome. And uh, kind of nice sight to see those big guys. They are, by the way, they are <laughs> a little bit, one of them is bigger than the other, but they both got the height. And I tell you what, uh, Evan Neal is quite the specimen when you look at the size of him. Um, in a regular suit that he was in today. Imagine him when he gets in that football uniform. When I talked to Jeff earlier today, uh, Lance, and I had gotten a chance to see these guys when they were on their visits a couple of weeks back, but to see them today, when I got up to Evan Neal and I shook his hand and introduced myself to him, he looks like one of those six-story luxury apartment buildings. His frame, his well, it's shoulders. definitely luxury. He's, he is just... <laughs> Here's the thing. Most guys, and I think you'll understand, because everybody has this picture of a 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", lineman who's usually big around the middle. He has girth. He has a, a belly. He's got, you know, kind of love handles hanging over the sides, if that's what you want to call them. Not this guy. When you go up to Evan Neal, he's like this big skyscraping hulking man who's got a big frame but he doesn't have that big middle hanging over his belt he doesn't have that big gut (laughs) you know he doesn't look like danny shelton okay (laughs) he doesn't danny shelton's like like more like a blob that's not evan neal he's like a meatball to you (laughs) the round mound how much of a boxing fan are you jeff not much all right how about you lance (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I follow boxing. I mean, you, I you, follow, you, you guys know. You guys, hey, I watched the fight the yeah. other night. You guys know who Deontay Wilder is? Oh yeah, sure, well, there absolutely. you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he's yeah. He, he he. I don't want to say he's quite sculpted that much, but he's just a very very large big man who looks like you know he's not overweight. He does just. It's an impressive individual. No, they they both are, and I I think that you know looking him up there, I just you could tell that. Honestly, I, I really, I just look at those guys, they're exhausted. <laughs> they are exhausted. But I feel like they're just kind of energized because they now know, like I was saying, all this is all, it's all finished up for them. So um, it's exciting to have them in the building. I know we're going to be moving forward with the draft today and talk a little bit about what happened last night. But, you know, all in all, these are your two guys. These are guys that are going to be around. Hopefully they can get second contracts because we always talk about this, Lance. You know, getting that player to the second contract means something. Especially, it means you know five years in advance from now, it goes goes back to show you that you did the right thing by drafting these guys, and they're very very productive. Now, hopefully, you can get them into a second contract because, as you know, that's not as easy as it as it seems. No, not well, really. assuming they also don't want to rip up the contract three years in and yeah, want to renegotiate. Exactly. Jeff. Well, I mean, that's the other that's, part that of the happens. equation yeah, too. 100%. Yes, but that's a good reason. You want to have a reason to renegotiate the contract, right? That's because exactly that means right. that obviously you got great return. Over the first three years. There's no doubt about it. The big picture perspective, Jeff, the value of a first-round pick, meaning having that player under your control for four years plus the team option, and then, listen, even if you have to go beyond that, you certainly have the franchise tag. It makes it extremely valuable. And the Giants want to start building this team, the framework, through the draft. And the way you do that is you get two first-round picks as high as they did this year at five and seven, you maximize the value, get these guys on the field, and they make an immediate impact. And they have the potential to do that because they have a player on each side of the football. And, you know, this was our first opportunity to hear them interact with the New York media. You could tell Thibodeau, not that the jury was still out, but 
He's already losing his voice. He's so talkative, guys, mm-hmm. in terms of <laughs> his level of interaction. So yeah. the media is going to have a field day because they're going to love the fact that he's more than happy to interact and willing to talk. But as you guys well know, he will determine his fate based on what he does on the field. And he says he's already briefly had some interaction with Aziz Ojolari. He's talked to Wink Martindale about the scheme and is very excited about the role he could play. And they're certainly going to need him to go to work very early because between him, Ojolari, Leonard Williams, it wouldn't surprise me, guys, if this year is more of like a piecemeal sack total when it's all said and done, where there may not be one guy in particular that we've talked about in previous years that has 11 or 12 sacks. But, hey, if you get three players in that six to nine ballpark, that's not necessarily a bad start considering some of these players haven't played much in the NFL thus far. Lance, make no mistake about it. When you draft a Thibodeau as high as you do, you expect him to be Batman. Now, if he doesn't do it as a rookie, you know, it's not every day that a rookie comes into this league. Well, and that's what I was getting at. Even if he's going to be drafted that high to get 10 right out of the box. Now, Michael Strahan promised 10 in his rookie season. And, of course, he hurt his foot and wasn't able to do it right away. But then had multiple double-digit sack seasons uh, later on in his career. I don't know how quickly Thibodeau is going to get 10. But, no, this is a guy who will have multiple 10-sack seasons. He is he is going to be a Batman. So you can start fitting well, the cape and the cowl for him. And one other thing quickly, mm-hmm. Jeff, before yep. I let you go sure. here. I'm not Inter- going anywhere. The, uh, <laughs> here's what you need to understand. We know that Wink Martindale's scheme is predicated on all kinds of schematics and disguises and versatility in the front seven. That's the emphasis of what he does, X's and O's wise. Old Jalari played a little bit of flip-flopping last year. Mm -hmm. He didn't do it a lot, but he did flop occasionally left to right. Thibodeau at Oregon played both left, right, played standing up, played down on the ground. That's one of the reasons why I think Wink Martindale is so excited about him. Not just because of this guy's immense talent, Mm -hmm. but because he clearly has the ability to play anywhere in any style that you want to play. You want to stand him up in a wide nine? You want to put him on the ground in a wide nine? Do whatever you want with him. This guy's got the athleticism to do it, and he showed it on tape. This is not a projection now. He showed it. Well, every week, as we know, when these guys get in there, and they're always a week ahead, game planning, they're going to look at the opponent, and they're going to say, where is the weakness on that offense? Is it the right tackle? Is it the left tackle? Is it the left guard? Is it the center? We're going to move him around and we're going to mismatch him. And that's how we are going to create opportunities for him. Now, what I see this happening is that if if Thibodeau is your Batman, you've got your Robin and Ojolari. Sure you do. Okay. So in your term, Batman and Robin, the fact is, is that when you look at Thibodeau, teams are going to probably have to pay more attention to him than Ojolari. Now, Ojolari was no... I mean, what he did last year was pretty impressive coming into this league and having the sacks that he did. Imagine now the opportunity he's going to get with teams paying attention to Thibodeau a little bit more. So this is very exciting. It's absolutely exciting. If you're a Giants fan, you're probably just sitting there going, I can't wait for these guys to start playing because this defense is going to be fun to watch because of Wink Martindale. And I think this today and as of last night, as we move forward, one thing I will tell you, it's true to me by what we've talked about is his Joe Shane coming into this building and how they're going to build this team. There has to be patience. You can see how it's happening here. 
okay, moving around and, and dropping down and getting all these picks and this and that. This is a this is one of those things where it's going to be planned out for a while, but people have to be patient. But this excites everyone. What those two guys were up there. Now we haven't talked enough about Evan Neal. We talk a lot about Thibodeau. I, know, I, know. I think Evan Neal is going to be one of those guys, and I'm not going to compare him to one of my teammates. But I will tell you, he's very similar in the sense that the way that they talk is that um, my guy from uh, Seattle. Hello, um, Walter Jones. Walter Jones, in yep. a sense that just kind of. I don't think you're ever just this guy. I'm hoping both of them. Did you just Andrew leave him alone? Thomas is pretty quiet. Too, leave him alone. Way. Let them go. Okay, we're done. Let them go. Final <laughs> thought about about Thibodeau, and that is, you won't have any trouble if you're a quarterback of finding out where he is because there is no defensive lineman that I can ever remember who wore number five, and he <laughs> is going to wear. Oh, number that's five. assuming he gets it though. He's going Paul, to get. Remember, it. he's that going was to a get big it. part of the press conference. He's also, that's where I was going to get. get. Gano will make Gano that deal. He'll make that deal. May not be willing to relinquish. Uh, it so he'll quickly. make the deal. Now, I'm I have, sure he this will. Is, this is. I. It was. It was pretty funny. Paul and I were sitting in the auditorium next to each other, and on my left, just in front of me, was was Pat Hanlon. Now. I go back to 2004, to basically to the date, you know, the press conference, everything happening with Eli Manning, talking about the number, everything. <laughs> I said to Pat, I said, Pat, does this ring a bell? Because Pat was the one that called me the day that this whole thing with the number 10 and Jeff Eagles happened. And now we're talking about Graham Gano yeah. and we're talking about Thibodeau. So something tells me that there will something go down there. But um, I think the Graham and I always my my one of my um, remarks when Eli took number 10 from me, I said to him, I said, by the way, I think you'll be wearing 10 a lot longer than I will. And then sure enough, that's what happened. I think that Thibodeau will probably be wearing number five a lot longer than Graham Grinnell. Yeah. Hey, the phone bank is full, Lance. We got to yes. get to these callers. Well, it is indeed. Relax, Paul. I mean, we got a lot to talk about, too. No, so actually, having... sir, if Jeez. you understand what I'm saying, we need to get to this phone bank right now. Okay. okay. We will at 201-939-4513. John, is in Nut John in Nutley is on the line. Oh, John, what's happening? this is. Yes, I wonder who this I'm, is. I, yes. I have a bone to pick with you guys. You know, this Schmelt guy is this draft guy that does all these shows and stuff, and now he doesn't show up on night two and day about? three of the draft. I mean, what is that? What a lazy son of a gun. I can't believe it. Well, we know that he had uh, bigger things to do other than that. And, John, congratulations. I think yes. he was sealing another deal is what I think. <laughs> Congrats, oh, no. John. He was having his own draft. Great yeah. news. Let everybody know about it. Yes, we can uh, welcome in to the uh, New York Giants family, uh, Grant Peter Schmelk, born at 4 a.m. last night Ooh. at a whopping 8 pounds, 6 ounces, 18 and a half inches long. He decided not to participate in the test at the Combine. Uh, but otherwise, he is—he is really good bloodlines, and, and I think he's going to be a hell of a prospect. Yeah, and the health, and we got a good grade on the health, so that's good. So medicals are good. Yes, <laughs> excellent, excellent. So the, the medic team right. would worked effectively, is what you're saying? So yes, the yes. the uh, medicals and the combine checks all checked out well from a medical perspective. That's awesome, John. Very nice. Well, four thirty—that means you were up uh, through the uh, wee morning hours. I take it. Mm. Yeah, I've had about two naps that are about 45 minutes in an hour. Wow, since, that's like, impressive. You know, it, 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 it's, yep, we're, we're tired, but everyone everyone is good. So Any, any, is anything thrown thing. at you in the middle of the night where Katie was like, wake up, I'm going through all this stuff, <laughs> huh? And then all of a sudden you get a pillow in the face, you know, those kind of, I, hey, I've got four of them, so I went through that four <laughs> times. I know that's pretty good. That can happen. No, so. see, Jeff, see, Jeff, I, I'm an old pro with this. Oh, Smell you are. Sure with... He did not. So to make sure he did not fall asleep until he made sure the wife was also asleep. There you go. That was Very part of the plan. Good. Otherwise, I would have had a pillow thrown at me. That is oh, correct. Oh. 
<laughs> How long was the labor, John? Uh, it was it was it was much much faster than the first one. Uh, God under bless an, you. Uh, and her. In terms of like you know hard labor, less than an hour. Very good. Good, good, good. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So okay, so guys, like, so just out of curiosity, obviously I didn't listen at all. What's been the overall reaction to uh, to day two after a very positive day one? Well, we haven't talked. Well, much we haven't about spoken it. to anybody, so you're the <laughs> yeah. first one up. So why don't you tell us? So why don't you give us your reaction? You'll be the first yeah, to do well, it. I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of chatter in the hospital room about the Giants' second and third round picks. I mean, clearly yeah. that was the priority in the conversation. <laughs> well, if you, if, if you guys are interested, I actually did do my. Uh, I actually did do film work on these guys. So uh, very quickly, Wondell Robinson. I have a lot of vertical speed, good route runner, very tough kick returner, punt returner. Uh, he's just small, so I think you know that that just limits in terms of some of the stuff he can do. Uh, but very talented, explosive type of player. Uh, Izudu, uh, is that the pr- correct pronunciation, yes, Lance? Oh, would Izudu. you like me That's to tell yes. you that, or what? <laughs> yes, no, that's correct. <laughs> Sounds good, John. Yeah, Jeff. By the way, sure Jeff, we the have fact that, that I got it right. I got it right from the hospital room, and you would have gotten it wrong at the press conference. Uh, I will take credit for that. Thank you very much. Uh, um, I was I, w- I was very impressed with him in the run game. I thought he moved well. I thought he got down and he moved people. Good puller, especially. So I thought he was uh, a very effective player in the run game, uh, generally speaking. Um, and then who am I missing? Who's Flott. the third guy? Flott. You're talking about Flott, the corner LSU. out of LSU. Oh, yes, Cordell Flott. I was like, actually did do work on Cordell Flott. I saw him as more of a slot guy, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, based on what I saw through my blurry eyes on social media, um, that I believe that Joe Shane said he's, he's a slot guy too, right? Possibility uh, very, of very outside, but he's going to start probably nickel, slot. Nickel corner. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, where he got the majority can, of his work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think he said that's where he's going to um, probably uh, go to. Cordell Flott, here we go. Um, play slot inside, good at reading the quarterback in zone, ball skills, picks up the ball well in the air. Um, willing to tackle, like to tackle low. I had him as a uh, bottom round three, top around four pick, which is exactly, I think, where he went. So hmm. we that's got what I got. All right, uh, John, all the best to you and the family. Uh, this has been uh, quite a crazy experience. And, folks, I just want to make <clears> it very clear. John's best prediction was that he said in the middle of the second round on Friday, I'm going to get the call. You're going to see. It's going to be at the worst possible time. <laughs> And I'm going to have to bolt out of here. He and told he me did. that. Well, he, he was told anticipating me round funny. one, though. You were anticipating yeah, Thursday. No, right? but yeah, then, yeah, then, I, then I, he I, told yeah. me Thursday it was going to be Friday. And, John, you mentioned that to me three times. And when I told Christine, she's like, oh, my God, it's true. I said, it is true. He, he nailed it. I love the departure <laughs> text, too. It's I just got I just I, got I, the I, call. I, I'm out. Bye. <laughs> yes. I got the phone call at around 8 o'clock in the middle of Joe Shane and Brian Dable's press conference after the Wando Robinson pick. And I said, all right, peace. I'm out. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> well, you were as fast right, as what Wondell Robinson did when he gets out into open space, essentially. So, yes, that yes. is true. Like yes. a blur. Be well, John. Go. Take care. <laughs> all right, get John, call, get guys. some rest, man. All the best to you and the family and the new edition. Yep. Good job. Congrats. So, our very own John Schmelk. Joining us here to kick off the festivities on a Saturday edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. So in terms of the layout of the land, we're going to be with you till 1 p.m. Eastern as we kick off day three of the NFL draft. We'll try to sprinkle in some calls at 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. There is the Giants Huddle podcast that is up right now. Late last night, Paul and I broke down 
the second round and the third round pick. So, Jeff, we haven't heard from you as we could delve a little bit more mm-hmm. into what John had to say sure. in terms of those selections. Then we'll start to look ahead to today as well as, as I mentioned, sprinkle in some phone calls and get some reaction. But yesterday, the Giants addressed wide receiver. They addressed mm-hmm. offensive line again, mm-hmm. and they also obviously went to the secondary. And, Jeff, if you remember, before I let you go, on Friday on Big Blue Kickoff Live, we were all going around and prioritizing the need slash value, and it seemed as if the majority of us agreed that corner was certainly a position yeah. to watch. It didn't happen immediately in the second round because they moved down a few times. Sure. And coincidentally, Andrew Booth, Paul Dottino's target, was taken right before the Giants mm-hmm. then made that selection. So that well, you knew that was going to happen. Trend. Yes, well, that's why I brought it up. I brought it up. Because I'm telling you, Lance. For those of you I, counting at home, that always happens. I yes. need to block all 31 NFL teams for my Twitter. Once I name a guy like that, you know somebody's going to take him right before the Giants. Because clearly that's what the Vikings front office is no doing. They, they were said, monitoring before we Twitter make this again. pick, yes. call Paul. Yes. It's painful. Yeah. It's yeah. painful Anyways. how many times that's happened in the last 10 years. Anyway. So ahead, we Jeff. add another to the list. But anyway, so that is essentially yeah, what happened. But Jeff, we were talking about the needs, and mm-hmm. they did eventually bring in a cornerback out of LSU. Yeah, I think that, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I was watching this at home and all of a sudden Wandell Robinson was the pick, I immediately went to my draft, my my little board that I have my guys, and I was looking for this name, and I did not see him. And I'm like, wait a second. So I started flipping through all of my stuff, and before you know it, I, I, I had left my uh, my uh, one of my draft guys in my car because I did not know who Wandell Robinson was. I didn't do any work around him. I know maybe some of you guys did. But when I started to think about the pick, I was saying to myself, okay, well, you know, I mean, when you look at the way this guy runs, I know that he can play special teams. He can punt return. He can kick off return. Um, and I feel like, you know, after reading what Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable both said, if we can have as many of these guys on the field, we're okay. So I think it does address the need where at that position. But then the second pick that the Giants had, I thought they were definitely going cornerback there. And then they come up with the offensive line, which, which by the way, what is important that we always talk about an offensive lineman, the versatility. This guy played up and down the offensive line at UNC, um, and I feel like he is a guy that can definitely add some depth and possibly compete for a starting position. Um, so, And then if, as far as Flock goes, you know, here's a guy that's uh, – I look at his size. He's six foot. That's a pretty good, pretty good size for a cornerback, a slot guy. I think that he'll start out at nickel corner just to help him ease into the transition from the National Football League. But I also think that he also is going to be able to put on a little couple pounds. I mean, 175 to me, you know, it's okay. But I'd like to see him a little bit bigger. But um, And by the way, he was one of the 30 guys that was brought into the building that they interviewed mm-hmm. that I had, uh, it was about. So, um, yeah, so needs. I think now when we look at what happened with the trade back, um, it's, it's evident to me that Joe Shane and his, his group has a – a definite plan and after reading some of the transcripts and you guys can if you get a chance to read some of them from the press conference he tells you that they had going into the draft they had things set up already for this day uh, yesterday so um and i would imagine that some of that is also going to happen today and today day three is is all about needs i think this is where you go after the needs that you need and there's still a lot of need you know to talk about a zudu for just a second zudu he has length, 34-inch arms, mm-hmm. which is really good. You, he, meant, he played both guard spots and, and, and left tackle. Here's the thing about him. Oh, left guard is where he's going to compete, I believe, at the mm-hmm. beginning, although they didn't identify that right away. But here's the, here's the thing. If you believe Thomas and Neil are your starting tackles, 
Lewinsky is your starting right guard, and we know he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Let's not make any mistake about yeah. that. He's consistent. legit. Proven veteran. Yeah. He's a consistent legit. player. Feliciano is legit at center. So now left guard, you've got a rehabbing Shane Lemieux, mm-hmm. who was able to participate in the voluntary minicamp and is fully cleared to go. So he's going to be in com- competition. Garcia, they signed from the Cardinals, a mm-hmm. veteran who has started a bunch of games. He's going to compete at left guard. Great. And now you have the North Carolina rookie who's going to compete at left guard. And maybe one more. You think they'll add another one today? But why not? Well, maybe they could. Yeah. But the, well, they also have is, a few other guards from last year that are still on the roster, yeah. technically, too. Well, I... I <laughs> How easy we forget those. I, yeah, I, well, I, I, mean, underst- I understand. Exactly. Well, yeah. those guys would be competing for the depth chart to me because I think the Giants already have four starters locked in. I, I think the four guys are all locked in, and the left guard spot is the one that's open for competition. Which is I great, think. because that's what you want. You want a legitimate competition. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, Paul, as far as... Uh, and Sorry, Lance, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but th- you know, no, these, guys, these guys, those are your three-fifths, right? And you've got the center. I mean, four-fifths, really. I mean, Feliciano's going to be, unless Nick Gates can come, they're going to compete if he's back. You've talked to Nick. He seems to think he's going to be back. Nick is very, very confident. So he I, feels really good about about uh, his rehab. And and look, even if Feliciano's the center, Gates could always compete at left guard, too. We yeah. know he could play guard, yeah. and he's a real damn good one at it as well. And I, I think Azuzu, the thing that he brings immediately, besides the, the strength, the boxcar frame, the length, he has a motor. And John alluded to this when he yeah. talked about how strong he is in the run game. When you watch the clips on him, he gets after it. He has some of that feistiness, some of that nasty streak in him. He plays through to the end of the play. Mm-hmm. You know how much coaches love linemen sure. who play Downfield. right through to the end of the play. Yeah. Do Get to the, the next level. Do the dirty work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get to the next level, which guards have a tendency that that's what they need to do. They begin that run game. Um, you know, Get up to that next level where they can – you know, use that size against those linebackers and safeties and then be able to, uh, you know, create some some blocks downfield for your running back. So I'm excited. And again, I I just feel like that, you know, at this point, I think the draft for the Giants, it's last night and today is all about potential. You're drafting these players for potential. I mean, most of these guys, uh, you know, it's it's a crapshoot. You as you know, the draft is. But really, when you look at what these guys, what the guys uh, being brought in here that are getting drafted, it's all about their potential. Now, we know the potential of the two guys in the first round, that the upside to that is tremendous. Uh, you don't know a lot about Wandell Robinson, Azudu, and Flott. These, their potential can be extremely high. Well, he's a gadget receiver, Jeff. Mm-hmm. You don't have to use him just as a slot guy. He can also well, uh, he's, run he's plays some touchdowns like in college. Yep. He, he, he rush the ball mm-hmm. and do some return stuff. I said to, to Lance... I, 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 uh, I called uh, Kadarius Tony and uh, Sterling Shepard and him. They're like they're going to be like fireflies. <laughs> you put those three guys out on the field at once. The the, the posing secondary is going to yeah. be like well, you scatterbrain. Shep, you hope Shep can be it's back. Be really hard to, to cover those yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also going to be difficult to tackle them. I mean, that's what defense is going to focus on bringing Jeez. them down. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, exactly. Look at the yeah. moves that these guys have. Um, pretty exciting. Jittery. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you look at Mike Kafka. Here's a guy that has been, you know, in the system with Andy Reid down there at Kansas City with all kinds of little gadget guys around that, you know, he's got some some things that he can do. And now he's got two guys with KT and, and Wondell Robinson in the lineup, not to mention the other, you know, the bigger receivers, if you will, with Slayton and Galladay. So uh, pretty exciting. Now, I think that, you know, 
I would like, I don't know where we're going to go with this going forward, but I need, and on needs for day three, um, maybe we're going to take some call. I have no well, idea. Yeah, but... Why don't we save that, Jeff, for okay, a little yeah. bit? Yep. Because we're going to have plenty of time to get into yep, that, especially perfect. as the draft rolls around. The only thing I'll add that I think you brought up a good point is if you do look at what Kansas City did and how they got a lot of those guys out in open space, you can maybe start to speculate Kafka's impact on this offense in conjunction with Brian Dable because of how Kansas City did like to operate Mahomes dumping it off especially later in the season when they realized they were dealing with two deep safeties and how they adjusted on the fly to bounce back in the second half of the season 201-939-4513 is the telephone number let's open up the lines as we move forward here till 1 p.m eastern we've got James in Connecticut on the phone James welcome to the big blue kickoff live what do you got for us hey um, thanks for having me. Um, the first day of the draft, perfect. The second day of the draft, terrible. Here's why. I feel like a lot of our picks day two we reached for, and it was the it was clever by the GM to trade back two times to gain more draft picks. I, I like that. But okay, my guy. I'm gonna tell you who my guy was. My guy was Andrew Booth. Yeah, well, he wasn't there. The they they him, picked so, him right before. Yeah. Say that again. No, the Vikings grabbed him right before the Giants made their second round selection. I know that. I know that. We we was in position before we trade back. So I was saying maybe they don't like him. Okay, that's fine. Cool. We got more draft capital. Okay, so. They went with receivers. Why? Why would we? Why would we choose a Smurf receiver? We 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 could have had got like uh, someone with a bigger frame, like uh, George Pickens. He was out there, or just a tight end. McBride was still out there, and you had Dean. Dean, I know Dean. He got picked. Um, later. Well, first of all, let me jump in here, James. As far as the tight end position, Dable was asked about this at his presser yesterday. He was specifically asked, how do you view the tight end? How do you value the tight end? And he specifically brought up when they were in Buffalo, there were games where they had one active tight end, especially late in the season, and they were perfectly fine. He put five wide receivers on the field. And we talked about this on previous Big Blue Kickoff Live yep. editions. If your offense does not operate, with utilizing a tight end, specifically a receiving tight end, and Buffalo had Lee Smith, who was more of a blocker and a target in the red zone, then you're not going to prioritize that in the draft. You've got to go based Especially on how in the your offense round. is structured. Look, yeah. let's make this really obvious, and you guys know I'm a big Jake Ferguson guy out of Wisconsin, was hoping to get him here in the third day, but he's a traditional Perfect. tight end. This offense is not going to use one of those. So as much as I like old-school Jake Ferguson, yeah. even I have to admit – the Giants are on the prowl for a flex tight end. That's what they're yeah. going to get because that's what Dayball and Kafka want to fit their scheme, and that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, okay, that's cool. That's cool. I like Jake Ferguson, too. I believe we can pick up another tight end um, in a later round. My question is just the value. You know, do you think Robinson was a great value for that pick? You know, because you have Pickens, you got – you got Sky Moore. There was plenty of other receivers than um, Robinson. Now, I went back to watch his, his highlights and tape. Yeah, he's a shit guy. He's a tough guy. 
Um, no doubt about it. But the value of that pick, though, that's the thing that gets me. And he could have had probably been picked in a later round. Well, we don't know that. I mean, that's obviously a hypothetical argument, James, and we'll let you go on that note. I mean, you never know where a guy's going to go if you don't take him where you did because you just don't know how other teams felt about him. I think, Jeff, it goes back to the point you brought up. If they value a guy more in open space where you dump it off to him and you can move him around, then that's going to hold more value in the lens of the Giants compared to what the caller was bringing up, more of a skyscraper. So I think you got to look at how your offense operates oh. and what your team is going to consist of personnel-wise before you say, well, I looked at this draft book and they projected this guy to go two rounds later. Well, a team is going to move him up on their rankings if they're going to prioritize and promote that type of a player. Well, here's the thing, too. We, we know we, we want to throw Daniel Jones in this, in this equation here. Okay, get Daniel Jones, your quarterback, as many weapons as you can get so he can get the ball out of his hands and let the playmakers make these plays. The more of those guys you have on the field, the more successful your quarterback becomes. Now, the Giants just don't have a bunch of Smurf receivers, okay? They've got Slayton. They've got Galladay. Galladay's got size. Okay, yeah, sure. so, Slayton, and yeah. by the way, both of those guys can catch the football down the field. And what does Daniel Jones do well? He throws the ball down the field very well. Well, what, what happens when teams have to protect or cover both? Oh, my God. I, this team doesn't have anything that really scares me underneath. Well, we're just going to – these guys aren't going to beat us over the top. They're going to make them throw – now – these guys got to cover everything. They got to cover Kadarius Tony. They got a Wandell Robinson. They got Shepard. So all. And oh, by the way, we haven't talked much about Saquon Barkley in the in this in this scenario too. Catching um, was it ninety balls his freshman ninety one or his yeah, yeah ninety one freshman his rookie year. Mm -hmm. So I just you're you're kind of seeing in my opinion how to help your quarterback here by drafting these type of players. Two thoughts on on the Robinson selection. Number one. If you're looking at the consensus from the draft Knicks, I certainly believe you can scratch your head a bit and say, hmm, the consensus was he should have been or could have been a lot lower. I think that's a fair comment. Of course. I don't think there's yeah. any doubt about that. Yeah, I now, mean, if you look at a lot of the draft guides and so right? forth. Right, I think that's very yeah, fair. Sure. We're, gonna, we're not going to sit here and say that that's not. because they, they got an extra okay. pick for him. Well, here's the thing now. Here's the thing. Number one, who are the two slot guys right now on this team? Sterling Shepard coming off an Achilles. Mm-hmm. And Kadarius Tony, who already suffered uh, some game-forcing, uh, missing injuries in his rookie season. So durability for both of those slot guys right now has been somewhat clouded. Good point. Good point. So they've now drafted a guy who obviously would be able to work out of the slot if they wind up getting caught short with either one of those guys. Sterling Shepard's already been around this league for a while. He's also had multiple concussions. I don't know how long Sterling Shepard expects to play, even if he has a healthy season in 2022. So that's my first point. Second point is very simple. We don't truly know the value of a player. And forget, I'm not even going to throw the three-year thing at you because we all know it takes three years to really identify the value of a rookie class. I'm going to give you another whole point to this value equation. And that is, unless you know what that head coach plans to do with the player, and this is a very specific scheme-oriented gadget type of player. Dable and Kafka have proven in their on their resumes that they like these kinds of guys. Quicks, yak yardage, speed, yeah. elusiveness, um, to be able to do funky things with them. 
unless you know what they've got planned for this guy in the playbook, you can't really determine his value to those coaches. You may not think there's a lot of value there. These coaches and this staff may think so because they've already got a chapter all written up that's going to make use of this guy. Well, and that's why it goes back to what Jeff and I were talking about earlier. How the team utilizes a player mm-hmm. will change the order of the value in their eyes compared to how somebody on the outside is looking at 100%. it. 100%. Absolutely. So you have to at least always take that into consideration. And then, Jeff, you were alluding to the fact that they did pick up additional draft capital as a result of the move. So now they've got two fours, they've got three fives, they've got a six. That's what at least is on the docket mm-hmm. coming up today. So... Part of the philosophy was not to say that they stretched to get Robinson, but I think Joe Shane also felt good about he's got more capital to address other areas of need today by or, picking up some added depth. Or or it's, okay, I got some extra picks that I'm going to have at my disposal to be able to move up and get somebody that I want. Yeah, make possibly. a move, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's, and you can never have enough draft picks. We all know that, right? That's just That's just the way it is. Um, so, and one thing that we're not used to <laughs> is what's happening. The giants very rarely are moving back and, and not taking, um, these picks They're they're wheeling and dealing them. And so there's a method to the madness. And I think that, you know, reserve judgment until the end of the draft today, when we see what happens, when these extra picks were piled up, which way the giants go, it'll be I, interesting. I told Jeff this morning, Lance, They've got six picks. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're taking six players today. Yeah, they might only take four, you know. But I, here's the other thing. The, my argument about the, the pro of taking extra picks is that think of the evaluation that they've done for all these players and the time that they've spent on them. It's To me, you're getting a better sample size of these players rather than free agents. So you might as well, you know, a fifth and sixth round is a borderline free agent, but you know they're a little bit better than a free agent because they've done a lot of work on these guys. So interviews, combine, things like that. So I feel like having as many draft picks as you can, even though they are fifth and sixth rounders, the more you have, the more possibility that one of them might turn out to be something special. Some, some There was a quarterback taken years and years ago in the I think sixth round or something that turned out pretty darn From good. From Michigan? Yeah, that guy. You never know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He landed well, in New England, folks, for those of you who are asleep. <laughs> Under a rock. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the other thing, though, that I think is related to what you're talking about, Jeff, if you're Joe Shane and Brian Dable, and you don't have no allegiance to pretty much anyone that you inherited yeah, on the roster, exactly. if you're uncertain about the back end of your roster – more of a reason to bring in additional competition Mm -hmm. because then you can see what you valued versus what the previous regime brought in and then make your own choices in conjunction, obviously, with what the coaching staff thinks. So there's room to add volume on this roster, but I think what you were also hitting on is, and I even brought this up the other day, they had nine picks before they made the trades, and I said I don't even think nine is a lock to say they're all going to make the 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about 11 picks, <laughs> assuming they make all these selections today. The chances of 11 guys from one draft class all making the 53. No now, way. they could be on the practice squad, don't yeah. get me wrong, but I think it's pretty slim. So when you take that into consideration, no, it wouldn't be a surprise that maybe they package one or two to make a move up today. And by the way, Lance, we should just let people know the fourth round is just about to start. Tampa Bay's on the clock, and the Giants have picks seven and nine. And I suspect those will be made before we sign off at one o'clock. 
I would hope so, considering it's only 12.02. It'd be the longest fourth round in the history of mankind, I would say, Paul, if we don't get to those picks by the time 1 p.m. Eastern rolls along. But we will be providing break-by-breakdown of each and every pick in terms of what we can get in within our allotted clock. And once again, if you can't get necessarily to us through the phones, you can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat, or you could directly tweet at any of us at our individual handles, and we'll see if we can get some of the responses or the comments out there over the course of the program. So, Jeff, the other thing that you had hit on, and considering the fourth round is about to get underway, potential targets, not necessarily players, but positions, yeah, positions for the Giants as they have now these six picks, knowing already that they took two offensive linemen, they took a pass rusher, you've got a wide receiver, you also have a cornerback that has already been thrown in the mix. So they have a diverse group of positions that they've tackled, but certainly still room for them to add to the same position group or even go outside the box. I think they go out the side of the ball. I'll give you my I'll give you my order, okay? Um, safety, tight end, linebacker, off ball linebacker, running back, O line. That's kind of like you know this where you, they can land in these types of things. Um, I'm not going to give you the names. I have them down here, and hopefully maybe that some of these will fall into it. But I think that you know tight end is something. You know Jake Ferguson, Paul, is he still out there? Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. So I know you really like him. I love him, but he's a Y tight end, Jeff. Yeah, I, I just know. don't think he's a fit for what um, they want. I, I think likely Kate Oden and Isaiah likely are two guys that I look in the market. Oden's had a lot of injury history, though, okay. and I don't know how much that will red flag him. I think that Kolar and Likely to me would okay. be really good picks for them if they want to flex. Okay, yeah, Kohler is a guy that we talked, we had who interviewed, and mm-hmm. the guy spoke very highly of him. So. Um, what do we, what do you guys think? Some of the, those are my. I mean, I pretty much hit everything else. All right, real Safety, quick, tight end, linebacker, I, running back, I, I, and O line. I put these guys on my radar today. Running backs: Pierce, Ford, Ford and White. Uh, wide receiver: I've got Kevin Austin. Corners: I've got Job and uh, Williams. Josiah Williams. My safeties would be McKinney and um, Bell. And my linebackers are uh, B. Smith out of Penn State and Beavers. Those are all guys that I kind of put on my radar today as potentials that would be at positions where the Giants are thin. Yeah. Um, real quickly, uh, Lance, I'll let you go over there. Offensive line, I, I wouldn't, you know, as far as a center goes, um, Zach Tom from Wake Forest is a guy and Chasen Hines from LSU are two guys that you may want to look at at that offensive line position as a center. I mean, because Feliciano is a guy, he's a veteran. Uh, Nick Gase, you don't know what's going to happen there. And so maybe you take a chance on one of these centers a little bit late in the draft today, too. Well, a guy that I threw out for the third round, I'll say him again, Leo Chanel, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. I think he's got some versatility, and I think linebacker is a position of need for the Giants. So, he's gone. I mean, that's a, he did. He was taken? He's yeah. gone. He went when yesterday. was he taken? I didn't, honestly, night. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, who, who, do you, who do you ultimately off. go to, Paul? Oh, that's good. To, let's I thought it you was know, when we were recording shows yesterday, Baltimore? it was all uh, oh, I know. blur uh, to uh, me. So blur? I honestly, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to cross them off my list. It was more than a blur. It was like a well, shooting star. Well, that's why, yeah, that's why I'm curious. <laughs> well, there was Where, two. There was, I remember back-to-back linebacker pick. Oh, you know what I see? At Kansas City, he went that's, literally right at the end of the third round. That's why I go. didn't realize it. Yeah, they took back-to-back Wisconsin players, actually, the Chiefs and the Rams. Mm-hmm. So he went 103. Okay. 
So well, I stand corrected. You're not going to be able to grab him. Jeff, by the time Lance and I were done last night, yeah, well, to say that our brains were fried like <laughs> eggs is probably an understatement. Yeah. Well, you guys woke up nice charge this morning. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, you guys are we, great. we recharged the battery. Well, we yeah. weren't yeah. in a position that John was in. Now, that's a lot of stress. Well, yeah. I mean, well, the yeah, last yeah. thing I'm thinking about <laughs> he is... He had extra baggage, literally <laughs> and figuratively, okay? So. But something tells me about John, this means a lot to him. I know the birth of his child means more, but I know that this was in back of his mind the whole time I'm telling you he was probably sitting there going all right we got a couple minutes here you're not Katie are you okay because I'm gonna go dive into this draft thing real quick you know it's like one a and one b exactly. Zudu versus the child Zudu versus the child you know what was terrible? back and forth when my yes. daughter was born I actually had people who knew me very very well your wife who who asked and I'm not joking they were serious they wanted to know was I in the delivery room because my daughter was 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 born in 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 May, they wanted to know if I had a monitor in the delivery room, and I was watching Giants highlights during the birth of my child. Well, when did That's, the birth happen? Was it in it football was in May? Season? No, it was in May. Oh, okay. So why would you be watching Giants? My daughter. Well, was, I should never not? ask that question. That's actually, no, never but, mind. well, that's Shame the problem, you, Lance. These people know me so well; they yes. figured that had to be the case, thinking that that's the only thing that would calm me down. Okay, well, I guess that's somewhat understandable. But you'd be it'd be old highlights, archival footage they would, of that course. you'd be watching. Yes, old school stuff. Okay, well, listen, we can save the psychology of Paul DeTino and uh, oh, childbirth for a new chapter of please Big Blue Kickoff Live. Stay tuned. That'll be coming up sometime next week. We haven't <laughs> allotted a specific time in terms of the program, but I promise we'll keep our listeners uh, up to date in terms of all of that. All right, so while we await the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we'll also try to squeeze in some callers here along the way at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat. So let's see if we get Marty in Manahawkin up on the line here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Marty, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Yeah, good afternoon, fellas. How you doing today? Hi. Doing very well, Marty. What do you got for us? Okay. Uh, they're talking about Juan Bale Robinson, and I I watched a, a little tape on him and, uh, you know, some highlights of him. And uh, two guys come to mind when I see him. I know it's early. You know, he's, a young, he's young yet. But, uh, you know, for some reason, I think of Deshaun Jackson and uh, Cole Beasley, like that type of player that – and unfortunately, those two guys always hurt us in a game at one time or another. And uh, I'm hoping that we, we have a weapon like that, too. Isn't it funny you mentioned Cole Beasley because the Buffalo Bills reporter, Sal Capaccio, uh, he does sideline on the Bills radio network. He's become a friend of mine over the last year. And he said to me, you know, don't be surprised if Dable tries to find a Cole Beasley in this draft because he absolutely loved Cole Beasley as part of his schematics. Mm. So isn't it odd that you would say that? got two Cole Beasleys now. Yeah. I think he's more Cole than Deshaun Jackson, though. I don't see Deshaun in him. Deshaun is more of a vertical guy. Deshaun was not a very shifty guy, even if you go back to early in his career where they dump it off to him and then see He was more of a speed guy than a quick guy. I I don't see much Deshaun in Rondell Robinson. I agree with you, Lance. I do think he's more Cole Beasley. Yeah. Well, we're looking good so far, and I, I hope it continues. And uh, if if we were able to grab uh, Charlie Kolar in this round, uh, I think my my draft would be done for me. I, w- I would be happy with right there. Mm-hmm. All right, Marty. Well, we appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in here on Big Blue Kickoff Live as the 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers are about to get round four underway. Hopefully the announcements, by the way, will not be as long as uh, the Minnesota Vikings announcement. That was Did awesome. Did you see that guy? <laughs> that <laughs> they literally crazy. had to pull him off yeah. the stage. Yeah. Marinero. What did they, uh, Ed Marinero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was absolutely classic. He was like, I'm going to do this until somebody comes up. And they, sure enough, it happened. <laughs> the lady in the in the pink or purple said, like, uh, can you read the card, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought he was going to give his entire life history. <laughs> I thought, you know what? I, I tweeted out jokingly. Jeff, I said Andrew Booth's medical recheck <laughs> took shorter than the announcement of the traffic. I mean, <laughs> that's exactly right. It oh. was remarkable. I've never seen a guy so excited to tell his life story to individuals that, and no disrespect to him, but no. never saw him play or act because obviously yeah. he has an acting background too. Yeah. Well, obviously he didn't care until he, <laughs> he knew clearly his whole care. thing was this. I'm going to get kicked <laughs> off this stage because I'm never going to be asked to do this again. Last <laughs> night during our video show, I remember asking Sean O'Hara, did Marinaro rip off that purple sports coat from Prince's closet? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's Which funny. he also talked about, by the way, during the course yes. of the announcement. <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. I mean, I, I could have listened to the guy forever anyways, but, you know, it's just uh, it's just so out of character for somebody to do that to Roger Goodell's system, right? It's like, wait a second. You need to get off the stage. By the way, you can wipe Kate Otten off your list. Yeah, yes. he, just he was just taken by Tampa Bay, correct, with pick 106, so... We are continuing to monitor that. The Houston Texans are on the clock. In the meantime, let's see if we could maybe squeeze in once again some more phone calls as we build up to the Giants, who will have two fourth-round selections as we move along here. Let's check in with Dino in Astoria joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Dino, what do you got for us? What's up, brother? How you doing? Good. Doing all right. What's on your mind? I, listen, bro, I know I'm I'm happy for the draft pro, the fifth draft pro. And I have a nice opinion that we we we're gonna be we're gonna be like oh like it's gonna be a friendly game that it's gonna be a nice game that we're gonna we're gonna have as uh the fifth draft, you know what I'm saying? A friendly game? I, I lost you. What exactly are you alluding to? Uh the New York Giants, the big blue. Yeah, but well, I don't understand. Marbles? What's, what what's the doing? friendly game reference, though, that you're talking about? Um, the it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game. I think that the the draft was nice, though, that they picked it up. Uh, Dino, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm I'm really lost in terms of what you're getting at. Guys, if you want to help me out here in terms of no, the interpretation. No, we want to see you struggle, Lance. Okay, <laughs> well, thank you. Well, Dino, we'll, we'll let you go on that note and appreciate the phone call. I'm not sure whether I, or not I, gr- I, Grandpa's old cough medicine well, went to work listen, early today. Of all people, whatever it may be. You, you got, yes. of all people, I think I might have figured this one out. Okay, uh, because let's I hear, Basically, let's hear. this is something that, yes. that's something that normally I would say, and you guys would look at me and go, what are you talking about, <laughs> right? So guys that say that, I can pick it up on it. All right, I think all right. what he's saying is, is that yes. it's going to be a fun game going forward in the rest of this draft of how they're going to wheel and deal some of these things like that. I think that's what he was doing. I have no idea, Dino, if that's <laughs> okay. the case, but let's no, just go right, with it, that. Lance. Okay, that's fine. No, that, I think that makes somewhat sense. I just I didn't understand the friendly game or whatever it may be that he was trying to infer. He was probably up the late watching the draft last night. Fortunately, he well. thinks we're playing marbles. I guess you know it's a friendly game of marbles here. Well, listen, if he knew Leo Chanel went to the Chiefs more so than I did, then I'll give him a lot of credit from oh, that yeah. standpoint. Well, so, well, okay. you know, guess what? One of my guys on the list now, running back Damian Pierce, is gone. To, uh, taken by Houston uh, with the second pick of this round. 
So we've each lost a guy, Jeff, off our targets. Well, I'm, Pierce going to the Houston Texans, by the way, yes. in terms of pick 107. So 108 is going to be the Cleveland Browns, followed by the Seahawks at 109 as we move forward here an inch closer to the New York Giants. And they will have two fourth-round selections. They picked up an additional fifth-rounder, so they'll have three there and then one sixth-rounder. So it will be potentially a busy day for the Giants. But as we talked about earlier, it's very feasible that they do package a few picks to move up, especially if Joe Shane is eyeing a specific player. So Cleveland supposedly has the pick in, so we are awaiting word from the Browns, and they obviously can also go in a variety of different directions. Houston has, as they looking at their draft board, I mean, they've pretty much addressed just about every position imaginable if you look at where they've gone. Corner, safety, wide receiver, linebacker, a guard, and now a running back with Damian Pearson. They take... David Bell, in terms of the wide receiver from Purdue, is who they took, obviously, earlier in the draft, Cleveland. So we'll see whether or not they add to that tally. And, you know, listen, there's going to be players, Paul, in addition to your favorites that I'm sure fans did, too, that they had in mind. But we just don't know how the Giants evaluate these guys. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, obviously, look look what happened last night. I mean, this is the thing. And, and, Paul, you alluded to the fact earlier when we were talking in the auditorium today about information and how, you know, the percentage of what teams know. Uh, you can, but let me just finish the point. Is that th- this is where – this is the job, a profession that these guys do for a living. This is a very important. They know a lot more than we do and a lot more than the pundits out there. So their evaluations are way different than, than what – the public may think of that's why you get these Wandell Robinson yeah he was on the list but nobody thought that but obviously their criteria is something that they and it's also about a need Jeff I didn't mean to go Jeff what about Cole Strange who went to the Patriots yeah the 29th overall pick the offensive lineman out of Tennessee Chattanooga a lot of people had him going later well thank God it's the one team that you're not going to really question any type of personnel move from that guy right yes so they except except if you're the Rams (laughs) which you know (laughs) but I mean uh, it's just, it's just, it's not a perfect science, but there's a lot of people that know more than what we do. You're a serious teammate. Bill Polian was on uh, NFL radio this morning, Lance, and I had never heard someone put a number to it. We always talk about the medicals and the other things that we don't know. We can watch the tape. We can watch games, but you know, there's the psychological test. There's the football acumen test. There's the medical profile. There's the character stuff. Polian put a number on it. First time I'd ever heard somebody do it. He said, all your draft pundits, even these guys who put out the books and everything, they only know 45% of what is in a player's Mm -hmm. profile that is sitting on the table in the draft room. 45%. That's less than half of what is in that player profile. So you listeners out there, you know, we've always tried to tell you and warn you about the stuff that we don't know. Think about that for a second. The pundits know less than half is what is in the folder. Is it any wonder that there's so much of a variance sometimes between a pick and what somebody thinks the guy should be selected at? Not at all. Because some teams may have 55% versus others may have 46%. And that 55% is the reason why maybe they have him a little bit higher on the board because they were able to collect additional intel. 
So, of course, from that standpoint, it's going to fluctuate as the Browns took Perry and Winfrey, the defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, at pick 108. So and the Seahawks are now up highest, at 109. He was the basic highest. He was the best player available defensive lineman in my, my list. He was still there. He was a first, second-round guy. Um, Solid defensive tackle prospect, of which I don't think the Giants are necessarily looking at that position. So I don't think that's going to hurt them at all. Mm-hmm. Especially since also we talked about this the other day. They just added the fifth-year option for Dexter Lawrence and have some guys that they could certainly mix and match on the interior. Mm-hmm. And when you take into consideration, if you're only going to play the guy for two downs, it eats away at the value if you're not going to keep him on the field for third-down pass rushing situations. So the Giants are going to be at 112 with now 109 on the clock in terms of Seattle. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. Let's head back to the phone lines. Coach Marvin is in Delaware, and he joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Coach Marvin? How are you guys doing? Man, great to talk to you again, Coach. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It has been a while. Uh, Just calling the comment on the draft so far. Um, it's been a long time since I felt really good about uh, confident about the draft we had. Uh, I thought the first day was outstanding. Pretty much, almost a hundred percent of the people was looking for the same thing to happen, and it actually happened. Where well, we got a offensive lineman and a edge rusher, things that we needed, and we've been talking about for the last I don't know ten years or so. So to see it happen is, is a good thing. Um, but I'm going to put it in perspective that uh, this is all on paper. Um, we're really not going to know anything until guys start playing and they're healthy and uh, and we'll see what they actually can do. But I like the potential that we got in the draft. Coach Marvin, uh, really quick, I, I saw Brian Dable uh, yesterday, and I had asked him, I said, hey, Coach, you got to be pretty happy with uh, the picks, huh? He says, I'll let you know in eight months. <laughs> that's what he said so as far as like health and the way that guys work out you don't know you really don't yeah yeah exactly i mean we can celebrate and be happy and but you don't know until they start getting on the field you look at a person's body and their um yeah work ethics and, and all of that is there but uh is the effort going to be there is uh are they going to really put everything out on on the field and leave it on the field that's you don't know until you get out there because you can meet a team and an offensive lineman just dominates him his will away from him, and that takes his confidence away. So um, let's see what they do when they get on the field. Um, but uh, yesterday's picks, uh, my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going with the punches, rolling with them, but I had some people in mind. I was surprised that, uh, uh, not too surprised, they, they, they moved down, and that's fine. I don't mind moving out. But Petrie, the safety for Baylor was there. I liked him too. I liked it, this kid, and and I thought if we can, if we can um, team up our safeties, what we have with him, I, I thought it would have been a good duo with those uh, with the two we would have. Um, so I was surprised they didn't take a safety early in that second round. Um, the other one was, uh, and we still have time for the, to do this. But you could get I'm, another I'm McKinney. At, I'm looking for the tight end um, somewhere along the line because I think we only have one. Am I correct? No, they got more than one. They got a, a few tight ends on the roster. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I mean, you got Ricky Seals-Jones. You got three, Jordan Aikens. Yeah. Rising John. Yeah, okay. But some <laughs> just name. 
I, I need I need some I need some uh, 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 looking for that player. Uh, some of them just names and position guys. Coach and- Marvin, I can assure you with uh, an awful lot of confidence, they'll be drafting a flex tight end. Yeah, I, I'm sure that. That's why I say I know we have time. Um, last year, I did mention one to you, Paul, and uh, he kind of fell off the he kind of fell off the um, prospect table a little bit. But I still have confidence in this kid that, um, and I think I don't know if it was the quarterback or, or if he was hurt, but uh, I do like um, Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. Yeah, you you and I both, but he's not I, he's not the prototype flex tight end that I think they want. Right. Hey, no, for, for this scheme, Coach, that's not going to really be a, a great asset to them. Well, I was thinking blocking and d- getting down the seams and uh, his size. And so sometimes I, yeah, I can understand the schemes, but you still have to be, have a versatile, uh, versatile scheme where when your scheme's not working and you need to get down in the, in the trenches and you need a tight end to get into that, those trenches, sometimes you do have to shift your, your scheme in those formations. You've you got to be a little flexible. You can't just be all, okay, we need a flex tight end, but you don't have somebody that can get in line and, um, and play. So I, I hear I, you, Coach. We, we agree 98% of the time, so uh, you're preaching to the choir in terms of yeah. Ferguson's ability to help a ball club. I think wherever yeah. he lands, uh, he will be fine. I just think that they are going to emphasize the flex tight end in this system. I mean, Coach Dayball even said last night, if, if I go out there and don't have any tight ends on the field and I just use wide receivers, I'm certainly willing to do that. Yeah, and that to me was a big giveaway. And, Coach, we'll let you go on that note. Appreciate the phone call. That's why I emphasized what Paul just said earlier because I think that was a very telling component to how perhaps they may go about running their offense. And he said it with ease. He was like, hey, we had one tight end active, and we didn't bat an eyelash. We basically said, all right, we'll just go with the flow with wide receivers and running backs. And you saw Buffalo certainly not miss a beat under those circumstances. So we are inching closer to the Giants pick. Can we get another trade? (laughs) <laughs> Can you well, believe the Jets and the, the Giants traded last night? <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Exactly. I know. I mean, Wild talk things. about a new new regime. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time that happened or has it ever? That was crazy. But well, they, that's what helps, they did though, they when you're not in, in the same conference, though, or I the division. So. Yeah. Makes yeah. it a little bit easier. So, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant, defensive back out of Cincinnati, went to the Seahawks, and then the Ravens grabbing another offensive lineman out of Minnesota, Daniel Falele. Remember, they took Tyler Linderbaum earlier in the draft as well. So they get a center and now a tackle as they continue to add depth and reconfigure. So the Jets now are going to be up at 111, and then the Giants will come at 112 here. What do you guys think? What do you got? You got got somebody on that, you know, can we guess here? Obviously, it's going to be a guess. No, I'm asking you. Well, the Jets have to pick first. I mean, they may have the guy that you want. Well, then get 1A and 1B then. There you go. 1A and 1B. I wouldn't be surprised if they go for likely the tight end here. Interesting. Okay. Um, Lance, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the tight end certainly could yeah. be a position here. I mean, especially some of the individuals that are available. Oh, Max Mitchell, the tackle from Louisiana to the Jets. How about that? All right, well, Isaiah Very likely athletic. could be Very the guy athletic, there. Uh, tackle. Um, I, I, I like a running back here maybe. Um, just saying for me. Um, and it's either a running back or maybe a safety. This, this is all I'm going to say. Well, maybe a linebacker too. But I'm going to go – I'm just going to throw it out. I'm going to go uh, running back. Maybe uh, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. So Max Mitchell, as Paul just mentioned, tackle out of 
Louisiana going to the Jets. So the Giants now are officially on the clock. They pick 112, and then they have another pick at 114. So assuming they hold on to both selections, we are going to be quite busy over the next few minutes as the Giants continue to add to their draft tally. Five players already in the mix. Well, you know, Lance, I was only going to say, we kind of already figured out, based on, again, the pundits, this is just about where the sweet spot starts getting for the running backs and the tight ends, right? Isn't that the way we we pretty much handicapped Mm -hmm. it based on all the information we gathered? So my highest guy on my list, my highest guy available still is, um, and I made Tariq Woolen is a cornerback who's, who's on my list is up there. Well, here we go, Jeff. We're going to know right now. All right. And then you also have the other guy um, on the defense, on the offensive side, Calvin Austin, the Jameer. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. So the pick is in for the Giants. Oh my. Awaiting the unveiling. And yes, there's our tight end. The tight end out of San Diego State, Daniel Bellinger. 6'4, 253. As he now comes into the mix for the Giants. So we were talking about that position, and now they have officially added a tight end, Bellinger, who played in 13 games in 2021. He had 31 catches for 357 yards, two touchdowns, was a team captain. The only game that he missed was the Mountain West Championship game due to COVID protocols. And the previous year, he's honorable mention, all NWC, 21 catches for 203 yards. So in total, over the course of really three seasons, I would say, because he had one catch in 2018. So last three seasons, he wound up with 67 catches for 761 yards and five touchdowns. Those are pretty much his career numbers. He's a Y. If you take out that He's first a Y. Game. Yeah, Lance, yeah. I would, uh, that's exactly right. He is a Y, yeah. which really shocks me yeah. that they did take a Y tight end. Which well, is if they were going to take a Y, end. they should have taken your, taken your guy, right? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know what they know specifically about Bellinger. When uh, the, the video that I did, I wrote down impressive ball skills – and technique. He really has a good understanding of what he's doing, and he's very clean as a player when he runs his routes and he does his blocks. He's not sloppy. He's not all over the place. He's fundamentally very sound is what I wrote. Um, I also did write, though, that I thought he had to get off at the snap a little quicker uh, in his blocking when he was in line, and I did write that he also should probably add some more power and strength to his game because there they were going to be some linemen who were going to try to muscle him. Uh, or, or, you know, off the edge. Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you, that shocks me because all I believe now for the last two and a half days is that they were going to go after a heavy flex tight end and they've decided to take a Y. But Lance, you have mentioned many times and reminded us many times on this program how Dable was very specific in what he wanted out of a tight end and Joe Shane relayed that to us uh, when he talked about their days in Buffalo together. He said, I need a guy who does this, this, and yep. that. Go get him. And Shane went and got Knox. Well, actually, the team actually that Shane was referencing, and it's interesting you brought that up, was actually going back to their Miami days together. Because Charles Clay, if you recall, Paul, was the mm. example that Joe Shane yep. brought up. He said when Dable was the offensive coordinator, they had conversations about what are you looking for in a tight end. He gave him all the criteria. It matched Charles Clay. And ultimately... Yeah. 
he was drafted by the Dolphins. He actually wound up in Buffalo, which is no surprise because where did Brian Dable end up? In Buffalo. But yeah, And then he, he got knocks in Buffalo, too, the same way. So, correct. So yep. he, he has some kind of checklist for specifically what he wants in a tight end. He must see it in Bellinger. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why it's not that surprising that perhaps he didn't take a guy that is really decorated in terms of the receiving game because – as I mentioned even earlier, I keep bringing up the name Lee Smith like a broken record because Lee Smith was this big presence, but he was mainly a blocker. You know, once in a blue moon, he'd get a catch and they'd use him in the red zone, but Dawson Knox was the main guy. They also had Tyler Croft. You know, they had about four to five tight ends and really outside of Knox, guys, no one else was a consistent threat in the passing game. So something tells me, and maybe I think, Jeff, you were scratching the surface of this, they're going to look at the matchups, and some games it's going to be a block-heavy tight end usage. Other games they're going to go with maybe the guys who they feel have some strength in the receiving core. I don't know if it's going to be a steady Eddie, one tight end type of show here on this team. I mean, listen, Bellinger is a guy that also, you know, he has an upside. His receiving skills are good, but, you know, he's a Y, so he's going to get his hand in the ground. And, And by the way, you know, you have the other tight ends on the on the roster. So, you know, Seals is a guy that he's going to be your starter, most likely. And, and, and he can catch the ball. And he can catch the yeah. football. He's exactly. a former receiver. Yep, yep. So, what do you guys think in the next picker, position-wise? You don't have to give me a, uh, a name, but... We went tight end. That's where, that was in our wheelhouse. As This was yeah. right, this is right in the wheelhouse of what we're all talking about. Well, tight end, running, running back, back. You brought up Jeff, yeah. Yep, I, I mean, mean, linebacker I wouldn't rule out. Linebacker, I, I like it. I've got White as my two running backs who I'd be very interested in right now. And we've talked about those guys on BBK in the past. Sure, sure. Yeah, Ford and um, let's see, who's the other guy? Pierre Strong. Oh, not him. Um, yeah, there's Kyron Williams. is a guy from Notre Dame that, you know, we talked to the Notre Dame guy. They, they love this guy. Um, tough captain, you know, so interesting. All right, so the, the, the commander took a safety. Yeah, Iowa safety, Dane Belton, they just took. No, I'm sorry. Oh, Percy. No, no, no. no Percy no, Dane, Butler. Dane, no, no, Dane, you're talking about pick 113. 113 went to Washington. Mm-hmm. Percy Butler's safety yes, from Louisiana. Percy Butler. Yeah. Right. So the Giants now are up at 114. They just took Bellinger at 112. And now, before you know it, we're going to blink and we're going to get another player. As safety was a position of need, I will tell you that for Washington. So I'm not surprised that they went in that direction (laughs) at all. Now the Giants have two picks in the fourth round, right? And they have three in the fifth. Is that what it is? They have two in the fourth and three in the fifth. That is correct. So this is their second and final fourth round pick. Here we go. It's already up. Yeah. So we'll get this pick and uh, we won't be around for the next round of Giants picks, so we'll be able to get to your phone calls pretty much right after the Giants make this selection. Correct. There's and they got their safety. The How about that? Dane Belton out of Iowa, a guy we talked a lot about on BBK. I don't know. If, were you on that show, Jeff? No, no. But I know who he is. Yeah. He's got good speed. Four four three in the 40. Yeah, that was the show we broke down Tyler Linderbaum. Yes. So we'll actually go back into the archives and – revisit some of those shows in case anybody wants a full breakdown of some of these prospects as we talk to all of the individuals that covered the team. But Dane Belton, who had five interceptions, which was tied for second to the Big Ten last season, now joins the Giants. And this was another position we addressed because, you know, Logan Ryan was a player that they parted ways with. We have some versatility that we look at when we examine that position, but it's not a stretch to say that there wasn't room to add yet another 
player, especially depending on what Wink Martindale chooses to do with his secondary players. Remember, this goes back to how, guys, we were talking about the offensive scheme. You go to Wink, you ask him, what do you need in terms of the characteristics of a safety, and he gets back to you, and if you're Joe Shane, you're going to play it exactly like you played it with a tight end when Brian Dable came to you. Uh, No doubt, Lance, and this is why it's important, because he was the money backer uh, at, uh, at Iowa, basically that guy who was the third safety, if you will, in a three-safety package. Now, I, I think if he's going to be in a two-safety situation, unless they use him as a third safety, I think he's more of a strong safety than he is a free. But I had wrote down uh, he's very instinctive, has terrific hands, and takes very good angles. But a, a guy who clearly profiles as a third safety in a three-safety look. Now, think about that. That's also the kind of skill set that Xavier McKinney brings to the table, too, where he can play either safety, he can play in the box, McKinney can even play some slot. Belton, with his 4-4 speed, has the ability potentially to match up with a guy man-to-man, too. So you talk about the versatility aspect. Julian Love is the Giants' other safety, and he's also a corner by trade. Think about that for a second, That that opens up a little bit more of versatility for Julian Love because of the depth right now. At cornerback, I mean, you, you could use him Technically, as a corner, if you needed to. Or a matchup safety. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Belton. I mean, this this gives, I think, unless unless you see it differently, Lance, I think this gives the Giants uh, three uh, safeties atop their safety depth chart who can clearly do various things. Interchangeable, essentially, what you're saying. Yeah, love McKinney, and now you add Belton into the mix. So those are the three guys that I think apply. And if you have safeties that can play in the slot or move to corner, you know, then that doesn't put another corner who maybe you're not comfortable moving inside, who's mainly an outside guy. You don't have to put him in that precarious spot as a result if you're much more comfortable in bringing the safety down. And if you're wink, okay, Jeff, and you blitz a lot, which we know he has the capacity to do because the Ravens were pretty much number one or number two at worst during his tenure with the Ravens. If you're going to bring guys down, specifically in the secondary to blitz, you want to know that they're comfortable being a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage or maybe on the interior from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I I think that everything always points to versatility, playing as many different positions as you can with this Wink Martindale defense. There's going to be alignments. There's going to be game planning. So the more you can do, that's always a cliche in, in football. The more you can do, the better off you are. This team is not like or not unlike many others. They're stressing two very important words, speed and versatility. Mm-hmm. And Belton fits both of those categories very well. Yep, he's a good tackler. Seems like a, an aggressive player, which you like to see. I know that uh, Wink Martindale likes those type of guys that, you know, big hits, um, especially from the safety position because that's when the safety can always get some good licks on some players. You know, they're in a position to always make some big, big hits. So, Lance, the Giants won't pick again unless they make a move to uh, 146 overall, which will be in the fifth round, that's and that's 30 more. about 30 picks away. So I don't think we're going to be uh, doing anything with any more decisions with this this club before we sign off. No, well, we'll continue to monitor some of the picks, but certainly we'll reopen up the phone lines at 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. 
on Twitter as well as we move forward here till 1 p.m. Eastern. So just over 20 minutes left in terms of our allotted window. So there you have it, the Giants adding two more selections into the mix as they have three in the fifth and then one in the sixth. So let's try to head back to those phone lines. We've got Joel in New York on the line here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Joel, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hey, fellas, how's it going? Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I just want to say you guys do an amazing job. Uh, you guys keep me in the loop. It's uh, the off-season with you guys are amazing all the time, and I just appreciate you guys. Um, I Thanks have for tuning in. We appreciate that. Um, my first point is to all the Giants fans out there, I know it's difficult, <laughs> and I know it's uh, it's hard sometimes, but I feel like we just have to stick it out, man. I mean, there's organizations out there that don't have a chip. What is it, uh, 12 teams out of 32? So, I mean, come on, you know, sometimes you just got to grind it out. And I think that uh, a lot of people just get so uneasy. You know, we're from New York. New York area, everybody just wants things to happen fast. And sometimes it doesn't happen that way. You got to work hard and you got to stick it out. And I feel like we got to stick it out, man. These fans just getting too uneasy. They're, they're, they're quick to, to blame, put blame on everyone and just not, just not stick it out. We got a new, we got a new head coach. We got a new GM. And I feel like their vision is going to be amazing for this team. And I just can't wait to see how everything gets put all together. All right, Joe. And then, well, uh, yeah. My second point would be, uh, this draft. I, I think they're drafting players that they like. I know maybe some people are feeling like, you know, some of these players, Nobody spoke about or nobody has been talking about them. But I think they're just putting in players together that they feel are going to work with their system. And um, I, I, so far, I'm, I'm excited for all these picks, especially for day one. I mean, to kind of land in those two picks, day one was amazing. And we just got to sit back and see what's going to happen. Sit back and, and let all these things come in together, gel together, and just let it happen. Well, we appreciate the phone call, Joe. Thanks so much for tuning in. And don't be a stranger moving forward. As far as, you know, liking these players, listen, I would hope that they like these players. Because <laughs> if you're taking a I player the that you don't thing. like, <laughs> Jeff, that's a big problem. So, yes, they absolutely We really took them, them, but we didn't like them. So, in some capacity. Uh, Correct. Know, we're we're going to trade them. Um, we didn't like them, but we had to pick them. Well, but I, I do think, and maybe the larger point that the last caller alluded to, and maybe previous callers is, we want instantaneous gratification, I think, just in general when it comes to the draft, meaning you want to know what this player is going to do, how it's going to pan out. and you can't. Yeah. You just you can't. I yeah. mean, we talk about this all the time. You could do all the homework, Jeff, in the world on these players. You can know them backwards and forwards. Yeah. Can they stay healthy? Are they all of a sudden going to click? Is the work ethic going to register in terms of them getting to the next level, especially when we're getting into now round four and beyond? Even more, oh, even of, a more bit of a wild card. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even at the top of the draft, you have a better chance of kind of, you know, hitting on it. But I mean, as we get into third and more, uh, this is just, you know, it's really difficult. And I remind everybody, I've been telling this, a lot of my friends have been asking me about the draft and how important it is. It is important. It's a long term importance, right? You're building this team through the draft long term. These guys are not going to make your team. Like, like, it's not going to be the, the, the difference between winning 10 games and 12 games or seven and six. These guys, this is a, this is a foundation that you're starting to build with this new organization. And so the guys at the top, those guys can help you win, but it's the rest of it. And the hardest thing to do is build the back end of your roster. You know that it's a, it's a constant attrition because you think this guy can be the safety for your team, eventually a backup player, but it doesn't pan out. So it's very difficult. And just remember. I've been telling this to everybody. 
your team, these guys aren't going to be winning your games on a on a daily basis. This is this is kind of building your team. Your team is who you have now. And you're going to have to play a lot of these guys on Sunday, but you got to be careful what you wish for because they're just starting, you know, you draft some of these guys in the 4th and 5th round, you don't have you have no idea. They sure. might not even make the field. They, I mean, some of them are going to, like you said, if they draft all 11 of these guys or 9 or 10 of them, you know, they're not all making the team, but there's a good chance they'll be around on the practice squad. And then and luckily because they have the practice squad built up to where you can do that now. I'd be very surprised, like I said, yeah. if you see yeah. all of these players ultimately make the draft. I think the biggest priority right now is when you're taking players like this area is you want to know, God forbid, one of the starters gets hurt, that they're capable of maybe not necessarily playing at the same level, no. but doing yeah. their job, serving a role, and keeping the drop-off extremely limited in terms of what may happen in the event that you ultimately lose a player like that. I think that's the big thing when it comes to this time of the year and this time of the draft, I should say. Well, so. you know what? For me, you got those three fifth-round draft picks, and we're going to be off the air by the time that comes around. I'm hoping, guys, and this is just this is from my positional value, You know, are you going to get a starter in the fifth round? Probably not, right? What position are you going to get a starter in the fifth round? Special teams. There you go. I knew where you were going. I, I mean, yep. why not? Why not? Okay, you got three fives. You got three Three fifth-round draft picks. You can get yourself a punter. There's three of them in the draft this year. I didn't mention the guy from Georgia. But Georgia, Penn State, and the guy from uh, San Diego State. Those are your three. Watch out for two of them being drafted. Maybe one of them goes in the fifth round. That's just my guess. Um, but I just feel like, you know, you can't go wrong there. It's a fifth-round draft pick. Um, you know, and have a competition. The guy that they signed as a free agent here, uh, Jamie, uh, what's his, the guy from, uh, from Cleveland. Gil- Gillian, the ha- the Scottish hammer. Oh, yes, yes the punter. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> the punter. Yeah. We're talking punting now. <laughs> no, okay, I just wanted to make sure I was following you because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you said they signed some guy. I was yeah. like, where yeah, are we well, going he is some guy. With this? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a guy from, from Cleveland. There you go. Yes. 201923. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Paul. No, no. Oh. Yeah. oh, he's got his finger just, on the well, button. I know I'll... how passionate you are about punting, so I wanted to give you an <laughs> opportunity. I just want to make sure when you call for the number, I can hit the button. That's No, I absolutely. I'm following your messages. Don't worry. You know, for, for our listeners to understand, there's a lot of movable parts going on, but, you know, we're making our way here till 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll give you an opportunity to certainly chime in at 201-939-4513. So I'm going to say a line, and just when we bring you up, you'll hear a click. Just tell us your name and where you're from so we can at least identify you. Line two, let's go to here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. What's up, What's up, fellas? Emilio from Staten Island. All right, Emilio. Welcome aboard. Hello. So what do you got for how us? You, how you doing? Uh, this Bellinger kid is pretty, pretty good. Better than people think, first off. Second off, I'd love to get that running back. I think his name is Pierre Strange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Him, and him. what do you think about what what do you think about Salia? I would love to get him from Georgia. Yeah, he's still, you know, another option in terms of if they want to go again to the offensive line. I mean, that would be the third offensive line. Versatile lineman, too. And I know sure. David Deal is a huge fan of his. We actually had discussion yeah. about him at the end of the night last night. He's like, you know, uh we we all seem to agree in the building that they were gonna take an offensive lineman again in the in the third round with one of those picks. And it was a matter of, you know, which guy, which flavor do you want? 
Um, and David was was really high on Salyer specifically because of his ability to technically swap out the different positions. So he he was certainly a fan of his. Yeah, I'd love to put him next to his big brother over there at left guard. Well, and yeah, that. and Jeff definitely. <laughs> I'd love that punter from Penn State. No, you know that what? I I was run. talking I would, to Terrence. I would love that. I was talking to uh, Coach McGahey this morning when we came in for the show today, and I was asking him a little bit about the punters, and he said, listen, you know, uh, there's three of them in there, and, you know, if you go after one, I, I had mentioned to him, like, the guy from Penn State is, you know, he's not from this, he's not, a, but he's, he kicked in cold weather. I, I don't, I don't, he, I, you know, I haven't. He knows the element. Yeah, exactly. The he's practicing it, and by the way, you know, it doesn't, it's windy here every day where you practice at the Meadowlands. It here. is. It's every day yeah. is windy. So Which you, is why, I mean, I know the other kid of Reese is good, yeah, but you know, but kicking in San Diego where yeah. it's seventy-eight and you know beautiful yeah. every day. My God, ain't kicking in, in the Meadowlands. I'll tell you that. That's right, and I and that was the conversation I had with Coach Mack. It was like you know, I would if you had my if I had my dress. And by the way, this is not. I this is the point in the program where we kind of get away with, with some things here. But this is going to make no sense to most of you. The kickoff. This guy has a huge leg from Penn State, and the guy from Georgia. But one of the kickers, I can't remember if it was some Penn State guy or the guy from Georgia, hit a 4.8 second kickoff. You guys have no idea how good that is. Unheard I mean, it doesn't of. sound yeah, like anything to you. Insane. Normal kickoffs are around 4.2 seconds, maybe 4.3. That's like me hitting a punt six seconds in the air. That's just ridiculous. You're pushing five seconds. Even a slow guy could get down there. Yeah, hundred percent. Even Dottino could get down there with that one. There you go. Help out the space. You think you anyway. can make it down there in five seconds? Forty yards, five seconds, Paul. Oh man, I don't know. Six seconds. Then we got to get it to six. <laughs> Jordan Stout, the man you're speaking of, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fifty-seven career long on his field goals. And uh, over the course of time, let's see here. Oh, my goodness. You know what blows my mind, Jeff? You're going to love this. 46-and-a-half-yard average this past season. 34 kicks inside the 20 out of 62 attempts. That's the kid from Penn State. Yeah. yeah. Well, did you, yeah, think about that, that, though. Think about that giant. average, but, considering how many he dumped inside the 20. But think about this. He's a punter. My love. And he kicks, he kicks yeah. off. He kicks field goals. Field goals, 16 out of yeah. 20. And so does, so does the guy from San Diego State. They both they do all anyway. three, too. But I don't think they wanted yeah, but, him to kick, though, but, the kid from San Diego State, from what I heard. No, they no, don't no. Want him they to don't. Kick field goals. In fact, yeah. nobody wants The kid from Penn State would be a great, great addition yeah, to the Giants. Yeah, I agree. Kicking and punting and by the way, Graham Gano is not a spring chicken. You know, they take the take yep. a lot of take a lot of reps away from him for a, a young guy that Plus can kick all, off. It's also great if if your punter can kick field goals. Golf, if something happens in the game, yeah, they back each other up, hundred percent. You know what I mean? That's that. That would be that would be a great pick in the fifth round. I would love that. I'll get Joe on the phone for you. <laughs> well, right, just, you don't have to get him on all the right, phone. Guys. I'm just going to walk yep, up to his office. The there you go. The draft. Yep, you Thank as well. Dad to the team. Take care. Yep. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, but you know what? I mean, Jeff, listen, you know of all people in terms of the durability of kickers and punters if Gano takes care of himself. I mean, there really isn't, I think, a level of urgency. You think so? In terms of no, no, what I'm about saying, it's a luxury. Somebody, oh, you're I, talking about in practice more trying to relax well, him even, and rest even, him? Is that what you were referring yeah, to? Yeah, that. And, and okay. by the way, if you have, if, if Gano knows that he doesn't have to kick off, he's not going to have to practice it during the week of 17 weeks. I so you. that's going to take a little bit. Of, and, and you're right. as The durability is that you get older, and especially in the kicking position. I'm just saying it's a great luxury to have. And a lot of teams, the, kick, the punter does kick off. Um, yes, and it's you know yeah. it's it's and it's it's the totally different leg swings, but you got to find a guy. For instance, you remember Craig Hentrick? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay, for Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, he kicked. He was he, good. Too. He he kicked fifty plus yard field goals as the punter, and he kicked off. Mm-hmm. Um, and Al Del Greco was the kicker back then. He didn't have a very strong leg, so that was the advantage of having a guy, a punter that could do all three if you needed him to do. But sure enough, that that's when uh, Craig Hendrick was kind of one of the first guys that started kicking off and punting. And I never knew how they did it because it's a completely different leg swing. And but the, but he did it well. And I think nowadays that's that's a, a luxury to have in a situation where you have an older kicker, even though he's really really good. You know, it's it's it, it it sometimes can make a little bit of a difference going towards the end of the season when you don't have to when you got a little bit more leg strength because you haven't been kicking off all all year at practice. Plus, you can also put somebody on the practice squad yeah, who can kick practice with you <laughs> during the course of the week, yeah. and then you know call them up in a pinch. God forbid. Well, they've had that uh, in the yep. past here because of COVID. Remember, they had a backup. Four, they had a backup three of them. They had a, a kick. They had a, a punter that could do a punter and a kicker that could do both. And then you had your long snapper, the backup long snapper. So um, because of COVID a couple of years We're ago. getting to the point that versatility is just as important in terms of the at that position. Game yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. When I it mean, comes to normal positions. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look at the defense. punter. They usually hold. There's your versatility. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, you know that from experience, of course. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, and listen, I understand it's like stating the obvious, but the bottom line is you can only have so many guys on the roster. No, you exactly. can't have a specialist, Jeff, for everything. Yeah. I right? remember I've had people ask me that don't know much about football uh, when I was telling them that I played in the NFL and the punter, and they would say, well, are you, do you start? I'm like, okay, I think so. <laughs> There's only one of me. <laughs> and again, I preface it with people that don't know what they're saying. You know, they sure. don't know the game. You know, so they just always feel like there's always more importantly, Jeff, you always touch the ball. I did. I 100 percent. Yep. Yep. Always yeah. touched it. Well, but you know what, Jeff? I don't want to get off topic, but see, your position is the perfect reason why starts. I understand people like to turn to it, but snap count is so far more important then starts because all that means is you were on the field for the very first play of the game mm-hmm. you could then they could take you off the field yeah. after the very first play you may not play again right. the rest of the game congratulations you started <laughs> I just I always if it's always comical to me that we get so caught up in starts but I'm saying to myself starts all that means is you were on the field for the first play mm-hmm. you could have played 15 percent of the snaps yeah that's it yeah yeah well, they were, our position is uh, not, you know, I never understood this, but. Well, because we you don't get a designation. In we don't department. have a designation. Yeah. yeah, we're not a starter. Exactly. Therefore, that's why my consecutive game streak isn't a, isn't a official record in the NFL. Brett Favre holds it because he's a starter. See, that's yep. the thing. And that's like, okay, you know, but I will tell you that nobody will ever break that record. I consider your number the Thank record. Thank you. I always 352 consecutive games. I don't see many people going to. There's no way. <laughs> no, There's no I way don't. that 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 is that is set. That thing is never going to be broken. There's no way. Why would you? You make too much money. First of all, the, 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 nowadays, I mean, why do you need to play 352 games? <laughs> well, the question is, can you last 352 games? <laughs> exactly. For, forget, mean, do you want to? You you may not be able to. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, just go ahead and just look at the guys. I mean, I I honestly, I I look at Brett Favre. And he's, I mean, that is a ridiculous statistic of how many games he played consecutively at a quarterback position. You talk about reps, forget the starts, right? I mean, look at that. I mean, that is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. So it's insane, especially in this sport, which is so far more physical when you take into consideration. And And that's why it's no surprise if you look at the all time 
games played list, mm-hmm. it's no surprise that the first five spots are kickers, are kickers and, punters. and punters. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. That's exactly right. And uh, and they all had great careers, and you know, a couple of them are Hall of Famers. So yeah, um, it's uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, I liked Brandon Smith just to get off topic. Here, linebacker from Brand from Penn State. Remember, we had the guy on from Penn State. Um, uh, the the who was it? The guy we have the play by play guy. Yeah, the play by play. Uh, they really loved him, really liked him a lot. So uh, that's a good pick for them. All right, so the, the, the Patriots are on the clock now, fourth round. Let's see who they take. Yeah, Do we're we really up to care? Pick 121 <laughs> for those of you keeping track at home. There's and a name. Then... Hey, hey, there's a name that I can get right. Jack Jones. That's my type <laughs> of pick right there. Can I get a can I get a fifty two man roster with Jack Joneses on him? I'd be happy as a pig, and you know what? Well, what if it's Jones? Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's how they pronounce it, though. Yeah. Jeff, be careful for what you wish. Now, for. remember, I always have. So, I, I remember, I always have t- trouble with guys with two first names. So Evan Neal, I may screw up this year. So just be careful for that one. I might be a Neal Evan one day. You never know. So. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the telephone number. Yes, we look forward to that. Great, I'm moving glad you forward did. Yeah. in terms of our coverage of the Giants. All right, let's try to squeeze in some calls here as we make our way till one p.m. Eastern. Remember, you're going to hear a click, click, and then you say your name and where you're from. So keep the ears out and about wide to make sure you hear the click. Let's go to line one caller. Your name and where you're from. Hello, click. Hello, caller. <laughs> If you hear us and you heard the click, that means you're hot and on the air. <laughs> Hello. Go in once. You're next on the show. Go hey. in twice. Yes. Hey, this is Kenny in Greenville, South Carolina. How Hello, you guys doing? Kenny. Hey, Kenny. Welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Um, what, what do you think? I, you may have already touched on this um, earlier, but uh, what do you think about Robinson um, in comparison with Tony? Isn't he the same type of player? And is it because of the new offense that they're going to be running they need uh, they need the same style player. Do you think they're planning on moving Tony? No, I, I think it's a lot. What Paul had mentioned earlier is the fact that you know you don't know the health of uh, when you talk about Sterling Shepard. Talk about Kadarius Tony was has missed some time and being injured. So maybe this is sense saying to themselves, hey, listen, we need a little bit of depth at the slot position because of the two things that I said. And by the way, if they all stay healthy, that's great. You got Robinson who can play a lot of the same. Uh, type of plays that Kadarius Tony does, and the more weapons you have on the field, the better off you are. I think that's the reason why they drafted him. I mean, Joe Shane has repeatedly has said, we're not trying to move Kadarius Tony. Yeah, he made that clear at his presser. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing is, and this is just piggybacking off of what Jeff said, he mentioned, Brian Dable specifically said, he thinks Robinson has the flexibility to play outside and inside. And I think they envision putting those guys on the field simultaneously. Like, I don't think Dable's saying to himself, well, Shepard, Tony, and Robinson can't be on the field because they're similar in stature or they're mainly all slot guys. I think if he could find ways to scheme and get them out in open space or have somebody, as Paul was alluding to, maybe come out of the backfield, he'll maximize the opportunities to get them all on the field. Remember, this is a game where if you could get your playmakers out into space, who cares whether they're Smurfs or Giants? It doesn't matter at the end of the day. The bottom line is you're moving the chains. I think we get too caught up that you need a small guy, a medium guy, and a tall guy. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if there's a little overlap with respect to the body types. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And by the way, the more playmakers you can have on that field, the better off you are because the de- defense, you have an advantage. Sure. You definitely have an advantage. And, and if your offense can protect, which now the Giants are moving in that direction, you got a better chance of have, getting your quarterback to be successful. 
Let's head back to the phone lines. Line three. Caller, you're going to hear a click. We need to know your name and where you're from. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. This is Sean from Maryland. How y'all hey, doing? Hey, Sean. Sean, we've got two minutes, and then we got to get out of here, so please hurry up. By league rules. All right, right quick. Um, thanks for all the coverage and everything. I'm really satisfied with the draft. But there is one type of player that I've been looking for for years, and that is a bowling ball-style running back that's similar to like a Brandon Jacobs to where if we're in third and two, we're just lining up in the I formation. We're going to get the short yard. Let's get the first down and keep the chains moving. With all the other stuff with the wide receivers, do that later on. But I'm looking for a sure thing within short lot uh, yardage stack formation running back. Now, is there anybody out there that's still on the board that fits the mold that I'm looking for? Hmm. Well, it depends on how high you want to go for him. Yeah, and that's also, well, you know, you, you also have to ask yourself, is it worth drafting a guy that meets what you're asking him to do? Yeah. You really want to use a draft pick on a player that you may bring in on some short yardage situations? I just, I don't know if that holds a lot of value in the big picture. Hassan Haskins out of Michigan is a real downhill runner. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to start thinking about him at some point here during the third day if that's the kind of guy that you want. Yeah, and, tr- exactly, and trust exactly me, he's got some pop behind him. him. Because uh, he goes six one, uh, six one two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, I just want to be able to, you know, like I said, they, they're stacking the line. We know we're running. Everybody in the world knows we're running, but there's nothing they can do about it, and just get the short yards and keep it moving. So, yeah, I've just been looking for that for years, and since Brandon Jacobs has been gone, we just never really got. Those are hard to find. Those are very hard to find. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, appreciate the help, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you got it. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. You know, if you really want somebody to do that type of a role, and we've seen some teams get creative. I think Andy Reid has showcased this. Why don't you give an offensive lineman the yeah. football yeah, for well, a yard, right? And yeah. have him run the ball. Yeah, exactly. move it up. 100%. No? Yep. I, I mean. Yeah, you got that, that You got that extra lineman that doesn't play, and he comes yeah. off the bench in big jumbo packages, put him in the backfield, and hand him the football. <laughs> That's exactly what I would do, honestly. Yeah. Because why it goes back to why waste a pick on somebody that maybe you're going to you get on the it. field nope. for There's, a second. You need that pick for a little bit more of something that you can use for your team in a, in a, in a roundabout way rather than you know three or four third-down conversions. All right, so that is going to wrap up things for us here on this special Saturday edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll be back up and running again on Monday at noon Eastern as we'll recap the entire draft. So stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And you can also check out some of our recent Giants Huddle podcasts in which we've delved into greater detail on all of the recent picks already. For Jeff Fingles and Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your draft, and we'll speak to you on Monday right here on Giants.com. Have a good one.